Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. I am Joe Serpico and I represent one half of Joe Talk. On the other line is the main man here. That's Joe Brovac. What's up, man? Joe number two here, checking in, you know, ready to go for end of week three, looking forward to week four. That's only because of age, you're number two. Well, that's fair. Age before beauty, right? I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, but on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about something we've been doing this year at Underdog Dynasty, and that is our G5 Top 10, or what we are calling our Underdog Top 10. And then we'll close the show with the usual of recapping last week and then give you a preview of what's ahead upcoming. So I guess the first thing that I really want to ask, because I'm going through all these rankings, or all everybody's, because I'm in charge of the, uh, the the votes and all that. So I'm going through it, and I'm seeing tens all across the board for UCF, and I get to one guy, and one guy only, who doesn't have UCF on top, and it's you who represents this conference. Tell me why, my friend. Well, just because you rep, I don't, I won't say I represent the conference. I just, you know. We, we, well, I mean, we do this podcast about well, our conference. I'm not going to take representation. I don't want to be in charge of that. I'll just put that to you. I, I don't know. It's, first of all, it's week three. So anybody can have the conclusions that they want to draw from three weeks of games. And to me, losing to a top 15 team in the country is not worse, like that much worse than not playing. And I mean, if you look at it, UCF and Boise State are, they have two wins and they played a common opponent and Boise State did better against that common opponent and they lost to a top 15 team. I don't know to like, it's like one a and one B to be honest. Like you shouldn't, I don't think anybody should be upset if UCF's one. And I don't think anybody should be really that upset if Boise State's one. They're both good teams. It's just Boise State ran into a really good Oklahoma State team. That doesn't make them automatically worse. Yeah, but you still got to put UCF on top. No. They're the, undefe- they're the undefeated team. Okay. So here's the thing with that too is, is how many of the voters though are just expecting UCF to be good because they were good last year? Now I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team, but there's it's the same thing with like Alabama. Alabama does not deserve to be ranked first. Like a team like LSU whoa. deserve. Oh, whoa, whoa, you you uh, you, you agree with that? You actually think that? Okay, when you watch when you watch Alabama play, obviously they're a really, really good team. But through the first three weeks, they haven't beaten anybody. They beat who? Louisville, a very bad Ole Miss team, and Arkansas State. Who is LSU beat? A ranked Miami team, and they just beat a ranked Auburn team. You're telling me that one of those resumes isn't better than the other? And LSU is going to be ranked top 10, but... It's it's one of those things like preseason stuff comes in and affects the rankings too much, and that's not how it should be. Like you're ranking these teams based on this season, and if you're gonna say, oh well, Alabama looks good, 
Well, UCF looks good, or UCF looked good last year, but that that didn't help them get in the playoff, did it? So why are we using that same the same argument, but because it's Alabama, we just decide, oh, it's okay. You make fair points, but I still think you should have UCF on top. Well, that's why I get to vote, and so does everybody else. And you're that one guy. Yep, I'll be that one guy. I'm cool with it. If someone's got a problem with it, let's calm down. It's week three. And we're going to see just how good UCF is when we talk about who their opponent is this week. Uh, They got It's an FAU team that got a few votes in our uh, rankings here. I guess we'll just go through it, I guess, kind of quickly because the American kind of dominates – this list. So UCF was on top, even though Joe tried his best to make a non-unanimous number one. But Boise still came in at two, which really, uh, you, you basically mentioned everything. They lost to one of the better teams right now in the country. So that should solidify them there. USF is at three. And I guess in a little bit, we'll dive into more about the actual game. But, yeah, they beat Illinois, who is a, a Power 5 team, but they needed to come back to do so. And I, like the team at number four, North Texas, I think their win over Arkansas is way more impressive than South Florida beating Illinois. Well, even their win against Georgia Tech doesn't look that good anymore. Also true. Which that's not their that's not their fault. I'm not saying that USF should have known that, but you know what I'm saying. Like it, it's just you could argue that the next uh, the next team, North Texas, could be the number one team with how well they're playing right now. No, we had some people vote them. Nobody voted them out. We had some people put them in set out two, but nobody voted them out one. We had quite a few people vote them out two. Which I think I had them at three, if I remember correctly. I think I had them up there too. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it wasn't just the way that they. I mean, they demolished Arkansas. Yeah, and it's well, by the way that, that was one of my picks. I'm back on the right side this week, by the way. Yeah, was against the spread. There you go. Back on the right side. There we go. At least for one week. That's what I like to hear what I like to hear. But all right, number five, San Diego State team. Number six, Cincinnati, another American team. And I don't know. I, I think I like the Cincinnati team because they're different from everybody else. They play defense. It's weird for us to talk about defense in the American. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. It, it makes is. me feel weird right now. Yeah, it is. It's definitely strange. And it looks like their offense maybe is figuring some stuff out. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All right. Fresno State came in at seven. Troy at eight. Another AAC team. Houston at nine. Which, I don't know. I was a little bit iffy about putting Houston on my, because one, I don't think we should penalize App State who came in at 10 for getting a cancellation. And then, I like what BYU did this weekend. Oh, actually, I should say I like what BYU has done so far this season. Do they? Are they? Are we counting them? Oh, we can put them in there. Okay. Yes, we can. It's just Notre Dame that we don't. 
And I, I had a feeling that maybe, because so, I did have one person ask me, is BYU allowed on the list? So I wasn't sure if maybe BYU didn't get enough votes because people weren't sure if we were including them. So maybe I will let people know for next week that they are included. Okay. I Yeah, I guess I would have put, I probably would have put them higher had I really I remembered that. They should be a top ten team. Based off of who they've beaten, yeah. Yeah, they should be above Appalachian State and Troy. I'm not arguing that. I also made the same, I didn't even put them on my list, but that's because, I mean, let's be honest, So some of these teams I forget about until I see what the rest of you guys put in. I'm like, oh yeah, God, they were good this week, but I already put my stuff in, I'm not going to be that guy that goes in there and changes after the fact. Right. And then, so just to go through the, the group of teams that did receive votes, we just named one. BYU would have came in at 11 and definitely would deserve it to be higher. Uh, Hawaii, Hawaii came in at 11, or excuse me, at 12. Then there was Buffalo, Arkansas State, Memphis, FAU, and Utah State. Any of those teams you got a problem with being there? No, I don't have a problem with any of them. They're, well, Hawaii lost to Army, which... See, okay, this is actually... I'm kind of glad you actually brought that up. That loss doesn't bother me whatsoever. Because if you think about it, Hawaii was playing a game at 6 a.m. their time against an option team. Right, which is already a, a big... It's already, yeah, it's already like a big game changer as it is because it's so different than what everybody else is running. And then you factor in that... I mean... Hawaii's used to playing at what we're, I mean, we watch those games at midnight here. And then you make them play a 6 a.m. game here. Like, that is, that, that's got to be a lot on the body. I mean, we've all been on a plane before and have, have had jet lag. And we know that I mean, these kids still go to school, so it's not like they've been there for a week to get their bodies accustomed. It was probably there for a day and a half, if that. Well, and think about just, like, in your daily life, like, when, when's the last time you've been like super, super amped at 6 a.m.? Never. You know? Unless I literally, I would have had this, if I'm amped at 6 a.m., it's because I stayed up. Which makes you, well, maybe, do you think maybe some players actually did that? Tried to just stay up? Yeah, I don't know. What do you, what would you do there? That's, that's, that's an interesting topic right there. Do you think they would, some of them would just be like, hey, let's just stay up and stay on our time? I think that's like maybe an athletic trainer just call. I don't know. Be, if I'm a this? coach, I'm not telling my kids to stay up late because that's yeah, like the last thing you want. I know. I know. No, you're right about that. But at the same time, if it's like if that's what your body's accustomed to, I don't know. That's weird. That's why I kind of so I I wanted to vote them. I did vote them a lot higher than I think a lot of people did, and that was it because I felt like that those two factors there. A lot of people are not even thinking about. They just see that they lost, and that's it. Well, yeah. But you can make that. I mean, I guess we can make that argument just about for every team that lost. But it's it's another thing where you're literally, I mean, just to make a guess, it's probably four thousand miles. Yeah, that's that's, that's definitely a trip. Yeah, and then the play at six a.m. So that was my only my only gripe with the G five rankings this week, really. But we can now talk about what's ahead. Or actually, what am I saying? Let's talk about what happened first. Uh, there was a game on 
Friday night that was really whatever. Uh, Memphis blowing out Georgia State 59. Don't, what, don't whatever that game. Come on, what? man. They blew the doors off. It was a boring game. Oh, did you watch Daryl Henderson run the ball? That was fun to watch. Uh, no, actually, I did not watch Daryl Henderson well, run the ball for 233, which I know was a career high. That's He's got two consecutive 200-yard games, so that's pretty exciting. The guy is good. I don't want to argue that. He's fun. But when I saw them go up big, I was like, well, what's the point? Georgia, Georgia State's terrible. Yeah, well, and they're probably going to do it again this week. Oh, well, yeah. Georgia State is one of those who makes you like, hey, um, might as well put them at the FCF level. Whoa. Yeah, I did that. Wow. I did that. Coming out swinging right off the bat. You want to know why I can come out swinging though? Because <laughs> you want to bring in against the spread pick? No, not for that game. Not for that one. But because oh. like, even though you know the circumstances that happen outside of the game, and I'm not going to talk about them on here, but Temple did come up with what I think was the most shocking win of the weekend for the American. 35-14 win over the Terps. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of storylines that I could really get into. I think the obvious is where was Frank Newtow? Is he Anthony, done? Is he done? I, I don't know. Nobody knows. So is Anthony this another Marchi, Logan Marchie situation? Well, Logan Marchie got flat out benched. Like, we knew that was coming. Nobody knows what's going on with Frank Newtow right now. It's an undisclosed injury. And. Love I mean, those. Yeah, but nobody knows, like, nobody could, like, point out what got him injured against Buffalo. So some are just saying, I, I, I mean, some just speculating that he's getting benched, but they're, like, they're, you know, downplaying a little bit, so teams are not game planning for Russo. I, I, I really don't know. I don't understand what is going on right now with the whole quarterback situation up there. Because even leading up today, you know, Temple plays – What's today? Tuesday? They play in two days. And we still don't know if Frank Newtow is going to play that game. I'm just Nobody surprised knows. that they won, won that game. Oh, well, that's a whole other thing. So, in this game, Temple showed the team that I think we kind of expected in the first two games. We didn't expect it to be against Maryland. Like, we expected them to do with this to Villanova. Not to, not to a Maryland team that's... The, Maryland rushed for 444 yards last week. Granted, it was against Bowling Green. But still, 444. This week, they only had 132. And that's what they do. The Terps run the football. They do a lot of jet sweeps. They get the quarterbacks involved with the run game, too. I mean, they were just shut down. They didn't score a single touchdown on offense, Maryland. Both of their touchdowns, one came on a pick six. The other one came on a blocked, let's say it was a blocked punt. I don't think it was a blocked field goal, blocked punt. Hmm. Otherwise, blanked. They were blanked. And it was, you really didn't, like if you're Maryland, you really don't understand what happened on their side. But if you're Temple, it was definitely encouraging. But then you go back to the whole quarterback situation. So does this mean that Russo is the guy going forward because he did get this team their first win? So here's here's my question for you because you cover you covered both teams technically at that game. So 
coming into this year, obviously we knew what everything that was going on with Maryland. Obviously not going to get into it, but everybody knows what's going on. And so we thought, well, that's, that's going to hurt them, especially right off the bat. But then they go and beat Texas and they start 2-0 and now they lose this game. Do you think that it's finally catching up to them or maybe even like, is this gonna, is this like the beginning of the downfall for them? All right, so there's two two things that you're hearing a lot here in Maryland right now. One of them is that any day now we're supposed to find out what's going on with DJ Durkin, whether he's going to be the coach moving forward, whether it's Matt Canada's job. We're going to find that out. I think they said the 21st, so you know, three days from now we're going to know what's going on with all that situation. Then there's some people that are also reminding a lot of people that last year, Maryland did the same thing. They beat Texas, start the year. I can't remember who they beat in week two last year, but, you know, they started the year 2-0. and And then they played another American team, believe it or not. Last year it was UCF, and UCF just came in and smacked them, basically the same way Temple just did. So a lot of people are just wondering, really, what what is going on with Maryland? Because this was also Maryland's first game back in their stadium. Uh, that that win against Texas was actually at FedEx Field, which is the uh, home of the Redskins. Oh yeah, that's right. So it wasn't yeah. So this was their first home game technically. So and a lot of people were saying that maybe there was some kind of little bit of a hangover or maybe more of a remembrance of the fact because the last time that uh, Jordan McNair took the field for Maryland ever was on that field, and that was really their first you know time back out there. I did think it was pretty pretty cool that Temple also was rocking the uh, number 79s on their helmets in honor as well. Jeff Collins is great, absolutely great when it comes to social media and doing, you know, doing the right thing. I will give him all the credit in the world for that. They show that swag coordinator. Oh yeah. But I mean, all he does is make all those those graphics you see online. Oh, those graphics help you beat Villanova? Mm, nope. Not this year. Huh. Interesting. But it helped us beat Maryland. And it huh. helped them shoot up our power rings for the AAC, no? They went yeah. from... They were last, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Which they deserve, which they deserve to be. Yep. All right. Next game in the American last week was Houston falling Texas Tech 63-49. I mean, Derek King, Derek King did all he could do. 431, which was a career high. Six total touchdowns of five passing, one rushing. But man, I mean, I think the real topic of this game, uh, it's, it's Texas Tech. They are, uh, I think both of those guys were true freshmen. One being, uh, Alan Bowman, the quarterback, that threw for 605 and five TDs. And then the running back, who went for 111 yards and four TDs. That's a young team, and if they could be that explosive for a long time, whoo, maybe Kingsbury's got something going down there. Yeah, maybe. But it also, you know, like you said, they're young, so that could easily mean that. <laughs> In, they're going to be, well, it, they're probably inconsistent, which 
that's what happens when you have a young team is they're usually inconsistent and we've seen that within within the American but I'm just honestly I'm I was really frustrated with this game because even though Texas Tech is is really good offensively and obviously Cliff Kingsbury Cliff Kingsbury can't even talk is where he is because of how good he is on the offensive side of the ball. But Houston's defense didn't really do anything, which was frustrating. And when Applewhite hired D'Onofrio, it was when he came from Miami, it was he was very, he was pretty average. And so my concern was that he hired a guy who wasn't going to be able to handle the offenses within the conference, and then they had teams like Arizona and Texas Tech on the schedule that made things even more dicey. And now he just gave up 700 yards to a Texas Tech team who, yeah, is good, but they're not that good. And I'm not saying that he should be fired, but I've never seen a great coordinator give up 700 yards. Get a combined, I'm just doing math in my head, which I'm terrible at, 112 points in a game. I would say that no, no coordinator on defense did well. No, and a, a lot of Houston fans were saying we'd rather have Texas Tech's defensive coordinator. I'm like, the dude gave up 49 points still. Like, yeah, the, yeah, your coordinator was bad, but it, that was, doesn't make the other guy good. I mean, Derek King still had 431. Right, but you that, can't rely I, I on your offense. Yeah. Well, you not, mean, and at like, least we kind of already brought it up. But with Cincinnati's really setting a standard. They're they're the what, what should be what, they, what teams should be following. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, I'm just gonna swing through this one game real quick. Actually, I guess we can talk about it a little bit. UConn, 56-49 win over Rhode Island. Um, Dave Pindell obviously had another great game, but you're just beating this team by seven points. I think that really proves just how bad UConn is. Well, we, you and I have both talked about it the last two weeks is we've seen potential from the offense. We've seen nothing from the defense and without even looking into further details of stats or anything, just looking at the score, you can tell exactly what we've been talking about. The offense obviously did well, and the defense did not. But, I mean, they got a win. That was good to see. It's not going to be their year this year. They've, they've really got to work on the defensive side of the ball. To say the least. I mean, you're giving a 49 to Rhode Island? Good Lord. I mean, Pindell is literally the only, the only exciting thing on that team. Agreed. There was a team that was heavily hyped heading into this year, and they are not living up to the hype. And that's Tulane. Tulane losing thirty-one to twenty-four to UAB. Uh, UAB coming up with a T- TD with uh, just over two minutes remaining, if I remember right. And then Jonathan Banks fumble basically sealed the deal. Was I mean, just we talked about it heading into the year. Everybody was so high on this team, and the thing that I told everybody was that this schedule is 
a lot tougher than people think. And it's proven my point. Well, but did you think that, well, I take that back. You, you run, here's the thing. You run that, that slippery slope of saying that UAB isn't a good team when you say that Tulane should have won this game and it's a disappointment that they lost. Oh no, Tulane, I don't think at any point Tulane was, a UAB basically had this for the most part. And, uh, well, okay, so then here's my question to you. What, what do you, how many games do you think Tulane wins after this? Cause through the first three games, if when in the preseason, when I was looking at it, Wake Forest was most likely a loss, but I thought that Tulane had a chance and then they did. And then last week I thought they obviously would win and they did. And then this week I thought that they should win, not easily, but I definitely didn't see them losing. And now they're one and two and it seems like all that hype for the preseason is gone. Tulane was one of the teams that I put in our over-under picks, and I definitely took the under on them. I only saw, I think the number was set at five and a half, six, six and a half. I can't remember. It was somewhere in that range. And you kind of just basically just said a couple of teams. Nickel State was the one team where, like, okay, coming into it, where I was like, all right, we'll win that game. But after that, there's really SMU, Tulsa, ECU. They might get those three. Wow. And that's what I said, because I think everybody coming into the year was knocking UAB. And UAB has shown that historically... That, yeah, okay, they were gone just a few years ago, but they came back pretty quickly. And when they are on, you know, when they're on the scene, they're a pretty solid bunch. So I was, I was never given, like, a lot of people were just, well, that's, you know, that's a win for them. No, I was not giving them that. Ohio State, I mean, and to make matters worse, Ohio State, with Urban Meyer coming back, you think they're not going to have something, they're, they're not going to try to score 700 points? Well, Urban Meyer's innocent, so it's okay. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> did you see, did you, just quick, we don't have to go into it, but did you see some of the responses he was giving? Oh, yeah. I, I love those kids, but I don't know anything about, oh, whatever. No, no, no. Don't make me do it. <laughs> don't make me do it. Alright, we talked a little bit about this game earlier, and that was uh, USF's 25-19 win over Illinois. I mentioned it earlier. It took two fourth quarter touchdowns from Barnett to Darnell Solomon, who has definitely um, stepped up for the wide receiving role. I would definitely say that. And then John the Conqueror, I mean, we were a little bit iffy about him to start the year, but I think he's shown so far that he can get the job done uh, for the running back position. Well, let's, let's pump the brakes there. He had like, what I said last week, I, he had 39 yards rushing through two games and he had one good game, which granted was good, but, uh, you know, I'm still not sold on this team, which I don't know if I'm ever going to be, but. That's a personal thing. It's just, it's not though. Like you watch, they're, they're I'll give him that the Georgia Tech win looked impressive at the time. Now it's, you know, 
I think did Georgia Tech just lose the pit? Uh, is that who they lost to this week? Yeah, I ever think so. Start, ever since I started writing for this site, I don't follow the Power Five. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's too many teams to cover in here. <laughs> so, like, they they beat them by 11. It was, you know, they were not struggling, but they were in a battle. But if Georgia Tech ends up not being a good team, then that's a battle with a team that wasn't very good. And then you beat, you have to come back against Illinois. Like that's that's concerning. That's not good. No, that is concerning because Illinois has been bad for a couple of years now. It doesn't. It, they are a team. Honestly, it makes you wonder just how much longer is Lovey Smith going to stick it out. Well, and that's why it makes it not like that's not my personal like preference. I'm not out to get USF. Like that's a general opinion that a lot of people have. But they're still the big five or the power five. But it's, it's Illinois. I would say it's like beating Kansas, but they're two and one, so I can't really say that. Damn, shots fired. Like it's it's I don't know it's it may sound like I don't know maybe I'm just salty because USF fans don't like what I have to say about their team and preseason previews, but. Yes. Like, be, coming, having to come back to beat Illinois is not good. It's good that you won, but it's not, that's not good. That's not a good sign for the long term. Yeah, I guess we're gonna just have to see how these things play out in conference play for just about everybody, I guess we could say that about. Uh, another game, cause the rest of these games were a bunch of whatevers. SMU losing to Michigan 45 to 20. Uh, Shea Patterson throwing three TDs to Peoples Jones. But I think the real storyline out of this game is, at least for us, since we do this podcast, is Ben Hicks has Sonny Dykes ruined him. I mean, I think you have to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you whatsoever. I, I just, just don't feel understand. bad, I just, man. I don't understand what happened. Like, two years ago, he he had an okay year. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It was a better start than this. He was a sophomore, and it was, and we thought, okay, the next year, he had all of that returning talent with Cortland Sutton, Trey Quinn, and that stable of running backs, and we were thinking, oh, he's in for a Big year, and he threw, what, like 40-some touchdowns? I don't remember what the specific number was, but he had a good year. So even though the bowl game was atrocious and he started off slow, I thought that things would get better, but they clearly haven't, and now he's going to lose his job. That just sucks. It is kind of baffling because the way that offense was just – I mean, we talked about it even coming out of this year. We talked about their defense. We never thought that their offense would be a problem. And Sonny Dykes is supposed to be this offensive guru, and he was, you know, inheriting a senior quarterback that had just thrown for all those yards and touchdowns. And, yeah, they lost two receivers to the NFL. But even in this game, Prochi had a hell of a game. So you really expected at least them to score points. I mean, I was, we've talked about it already on this podcast. I thought that SMU was going to be a team to shock. It's been anything but. 
because of both sides, which is really shocking to me. And another thing is the running game hasn't helped Hicks out at all either. Braden West is their leading rusher, and he has 129 yards in three games. And they, that was another thing that we thought was going to be a strength coming into this year. Well, because they had West, Xavier Jones, and Kimon Freeman, and Jones and Freeman have combined for 100 yards rushing this year. So I get, I mean, Hicks obviously has struggled, but it, there are a ton of other issues on that team. Now, can we say that maybe that is because of who they played to? Because North Texas, we just talked about, just beat up on an SEC team. TCU beat up on SMU, and Michigan is another one of the you know the better teams in the country. So is it more of who they're playing, maybe? I would say if with TCU and Michigan, yeah, but against North Texas, they should be able to score points against North Texas. No offense to them, but they didn't score points until the fourth quarter. I mean, you're right there. They didn't. They didn't but, score I mean, Michigan and TCU quarter, are really. tough. I guess this week we'll really find out because they got, they got, well, I guess really not because that's not another easy opponent on the way. We'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. Um, two games which featured AAC teams going against FCS teams. Lehigh lost the Navy 51 to 21. Really nothing to say about that. Uh, Cincinnati beating up on Alabama A&M 63 to 7. And we already kind of alluded to it a little bit, but that D is for real, man. I know it's an FCS team, but it's it's the way they are they are playing defense. It's a problem. It's some teams, Yeah, because some teams, you know what I mean? Like, okay, it's an FCS team. We're going to, you know, they half-ass it almost a little bit. No. they. I think they are trying to make a state. You know, they're defensively trying to make a statement as well. It's like, hey, we're playing this team, and we want to hold them to nothing. Which, that's great. That's what they should be doing. It'll be interesting to see now that, you know, they're going to get some better opponents on the way. Just how legit this defense actually is. Yeah, we'll find out really quick. And then, oop, I almost skipped this one, but Arkansas State defeated Tulsa 29-20. Arkansas State is one of my, one of the teams that I do like. In the G5. So that's no surprise to me either. Tulsa is whatever. Well, I don't, but do you think they, I think they look better than they were last year. Tulsa, I mean. Do you? So I was, so I, I'm working on the preview for Temple versus Tulsa now, and everything I'm seeing for Tulsa, there's not really a whole lot that impresses me. I guess now this is a perfect time to just literally just segue right into that. I basically just did. And that is a Thursday night game, also. So perfect. Their defense isn't okay. Their defense isn't good, but they're they're not giving up forty plus points per game. They're the most points they gave up was this last week. They they keep going up by one. It was twenty seven the first week, twenty eight, and then twenty nine this last week. So yeah, yeah. But who is Tulsa playing? Uh, well, first it was Central Arkansas, which yeah, twenty seven points, not good. And then it was Texas. That's pretty. That's pretty good. I think we're coming to realize, hey, we did this the other day between the two of us. Temple over Maryland over Texas. And Villanova over all of them. And I mean, Arkansas State's offense isn't terrible either. 
So no, Arkansas, State. Arkansas State has a has a solid offense. I don't know. It's uh, that those uh, they're not impressive losses, but I think that says more than we're giving Tulsa credit for. So I won't. I'm not going to say like watch out for them as a contender, but they're also not doing as terribly as we originally thought. Well, Vegas has Temple as a seven point favorite. Hmm. And I think Temple will go over that number. Is that Temple? It's at Temple. I think this is the game where Temple's offense, or excuse me, Temple's defensive line finally gets it going. They have struggled for most of the year. This is a game where they're just going to, because Tulsa's O-line is terrible. So I think this is a game where Temple's, their D-line gets it going, starts to pad some of those stats that are kind of lacking in the first three games. Well, they're going against a pretty solid O-line, so that'll be a good test for them. We will find out on Sunday, or Saturday, or Thursday. What am I saying? Jeez. Monday. Wednesday. Every day of the week, Tulsa Temple. My, uh, every day of the week should be Temple. My my whole week is screwed up. I leave for a wedding tomorrow. I'm already thinking today is Friday. It's only Tuesday. That's tough, man. <laughs> Literally, like, I have no idea what day of the week. Could, right could be now. worse. Could be Monday. Yeah. Touche. Alright, so uh, Friday night has a game that will definitely have a lot of attention on it. And then it might be more because on one side of the coach and then the other side because it's defending national champs. But that's Florida Atlantic taking on UCF, the game that we kind of hyped up a little bit coming into this year. It's Friday night on ESPN. UCF is a 13.5 point favorite. I am a little bit shocked by that. I mean, FAU hasn't looked like the team that we saw last year. But that's still 14 points. That's an interesting number. And let's not forget that UCF's defense is pretty average. So I, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? Like, the, that's what FAU, I feel like, is going to be able to move the ball. So I feel like 14 points is high, like real high. And I feel well, I had to do a double take when I saw that. I was like, "Wait a second, there's no way that's 14." I think well, this wasn't right, but I think a lot of people just expected FAU to compete and even beat Oklahoma, which was kind of funny. But I think I with, with, if well, anybody, whoever whoever <laughs> thought that doesn't know anything about college football, right? Oklahoma yeah, right. is stacked, right? And I think when that didn't happen and they got crushed. I think that a lot of hype with this team just died. And so when this matchup came out, UCF also hasn't played anybody, and then North Carolina lost to ECU, and then the game got canceled. I think the hype has just died down for this game. So I'm hoping for a ton of points, which I I, I think that's what's going to happen, but... I don't know. It just feels like this game isn't, isn't as important as it was coming into the year. Yeah, it should be more hyped. Just because, yeah, we just went through our G5 rankings and FAU wasn't in the top 10. But I think that's 
they're going to start creeping up as the season comes along, and we're going to come to realize that they're still one of the better teams in the country. So 14, that's why I keep coming back. 14 points, that's a lot. I understand the UCF is what they've done in the past year and, what, two games now? But I think, I mean, you probably agree with me. This is probably the first real test for them, too. Yeah, because who they they played UConn and and I can't remember who the other one team was because it was, it was some, FC, oh South yeah. Carolina State that's yeah it was some FCS team yeah so yeah, yeah this is their first real test yeah because we I mean they didn't get you said it they didn't get the game against UNC so we can't even you know use that game to judge be like okay what well, what kind of team they are but then again UNC lost ECU. So it it is kind of sad that this game lost its luster a little bit, but maybe since it's a Friday night game, it'll uh, draw some attention as the week goes along. I don't know. You would have thought that, especially because I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, the media loves Lane Kiffin, loves him, and the media also helped out with the whole UCF hype train. So you would think there'd be a lot more hype with this game. Yeah, I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It is a little bit awkward. Don't understand it myself either. All right, let's go through Saturday's games. And the first game of the afternoon will be a battle in the state of Ohio. And it will be Ohio University. Taking or is the University of Ohio? I don't know. We don't cover the, the MAC here, so I don't know. Take it on Cincinnati. That game's at noon on ESPNU. Cincinnati, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Ohio's typically got a solid offense. That's what we have come to expect out of the Bobcats. So is that eight-and-a-half-point number, again, go back to just how good people think that defense is? It's probably people, you know, they're on the tr- on the trend right now of Cincinnati's playing solid defense. But, I don't, well, yeah, coming in the year, Ohio's offense was supposed to be one of the better offenses in it, well, in the in the MAC at least, and then Nathan Rourke got benched in the first game because he struggled. I think he was like two for eight to start the game, so they put in Quentin Maxwell, and it looks like both guys have been playing. Maxwell looks like he's more consistent, but I don't, yeah, I think it's it's tough to tell because UCLA might go zero and twelve. And mm-hmm. so that yep. it's the same thing with USF with against Georgia Tech. Like the that win is looking less and less impressive every week. But yeah, Cincinnati hasn't played. It doesn't look like Cincinnati's really played anybody. So this might be our first chance to see how legitimate that defense actually is. Yeah, but are you willing to say that UCLA's got less talent than? Ohio? I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. No, but talent, like, UCLA's always going to have more talent than Ohio, but that doesn't mean that UCLA's a better team than Ohio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I was just saying it just because. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you, yeah. I mean, you, you said it for me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Ohio, for me, it's what, well, they're, they're another team a little bit hard to figure out. I was buying them coming into this year, I thought they would be a team that maybe get the 9-10 wins. And I thought maybe the Cincinnati game would be one that they could, they you know, they would get, but what we've seen from Cincinnati, I'm not sure about that. 
Yeah, we'll see. I hope the defense is legitimate because that would be a breath of fresh air in this conference. Yeah, because nobody else is doing it. Nope. <laughs> Not one bit. Other 12 o'clock game on Saturday is a 2-1 Navy team taking on a winless SMU team that we just kind of really plastered a little bit there. But I think a little bit, so this is, this game is in Dallas, so it is a home game for SMU. Navy is a six and a half point favorite on the road. Obviously, Navy is always tough to game plan for because of their triple option. I'm, I'm gonna do it anyways. I think I'm gonna say the SMU, they finally get it done at home. Finally. Really? I'm gonna do it. Is it, does Hicks do it, or is it, uh, Brown? Hicks. Hmm. Hicks is gonna get it done. Because I think he knows, if he doesn't get it done this week, it's over. Hot take Joe talk, I like it. It's over for Ben Hicks if he doesn't do it this week. Well, the weird thing with Navy is they play all three of their quarterbacks every single game so far. I don't know what's going on with that. Cause it's not like, well, Malcolm Perry can't throw the ball cause he can't see, but. Can't see over. Well, he's like five, was, five eight. Yeah, he, I mean he's really small. But they played all three of them, and I don't know if that's like what they game plan for because, I mean Garrett Lewis is obviously the best passer of the three. But like, mm-hmm. why is Zach Abbey playing outside of like goal line situations? That's what I I figured he would only play goal line situations. But I, and, and, and maybe short other, downs. I don't know. I guess maybe it's just if you're. Navy, it's you got two quarterbacks that can get the job done, so they're just maybe just trying to find ways. And I'm not even talking about Lewis because figuring that offense, he's they, they. I mean, they don't throw, so he's the third option without a doubt. But they figure, hey, we got two guys that are pretty good. Let's use both. And if I mean, that's what they're I, doing, great. I mean, it kind of makes sense because if you think about it, if those guys are. You know, they're toting the rock so many times, they're taking a beating also, so to lessen the load a little bit, or lessen the beating, whatever way you want to took or put it, you, you used both guys. Cause last year, I mean, the early part of the year, we know that it was Avi that was getting it, and it wasn't until, what, the, the Army Navy game that Perry just took over. It was late. Yeah, and maybe. And they held Perry out for most of the year, if you think about it, until late. Well, he was playing running back, but yeah, I see, yeah, he, I mean, they didn't let him, I don't know. I mean, he shouldn't have the same role, cause if you think about it, I mean, the year before in the Army Navy game, they literally pulled him out of the stands. Well, yeah, there's that, I forgot about that. <laughs> they literally pulled him out of the stands, and then a year later, he's the star of the game. So maybe yeah. they're just taking advantage of having two of them just because they have it. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. But again, SMU. This will be the one. Mm. Gonna, that air raid is going to figure out a way to put Navy in a deep enough hole where the triple option ain't going to be able to get them out of it. And as I'm saying this, I'm literally just picturing SMU's defense just getting shredded. Because <laughs> you know they will. I'm hoping that they're better against the run they are against the pass because they are terrible against the pass. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we talked a little bit about Tulane earlier. Their matchup with Ohio State. That game's at 3.30 on the Big Ten Network. I mentioned it. Urban Meyer's back. 
The number sits at 36 and a half for Ohio State. <laughs> when I saw that, another one, I was like 36 and a half. I mean, I understand Ohio State, you know, clearly one of the top five teams in the country right now, I would say. And I am a big fan of the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, by the way. But, man, 30, 36 and a half? That's what happens when you start one and two. Yep. Yeah. And then I said it earlier, I feel like Urban Meyer's going to come back with like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and be like, I'm going I'm to score as many points as possible. I feel like that's why that number is so high. Is he going to remember that he has a chip on his shoulder, or does he need medication for that too? No, he needs medication for everything. God. He's an old man. Remember, he already retired once. So he's he's fit to – he said he's fit to run – a football program, but he's not fit to remember certain events. Interesting. Is he fit enough? Oh, never mind. I don't even want to. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to suck you in. Never mind. I was literally about to take an ultimate low blow, but I'm not going to do it. Four o'clock game on Saturday. A one and two UConn team that we have talked about has played pretty lousy to say the least. Taken on a Syracuse team that's 3-0 and and has been, I want to say, one of the more impressive teams, considering did anybody really think the Syracuse was going to be a 3-0 and team and a 27.5-point favorite? I mean, I understand UConn's bad, and Syracuse is a power five school, but Syracuse has been pretty impressive so far. Everyone's been waiting for Dino Babers to kind of turn the corner. And it might be, this might be the year that they finally do it. Eric Dungy's fine. Well, he got hurt last game, but it was some, something with his eye. So hopefully he's fine, but it's his fourth year starting, I believe. So he's got control of the offense and Dino Babers is, comes from that Baylor line of coaches. So he knows a thing or two about offense. So it's, it was only like a matter of time and then it, became if they can make take that next step and beating Florida State obviously isn't the same as it was a couple of years ago but well okay they, so that's my that's they my still question beat them. that's my question though Florida State not to go because I know we're not supposed to talk too much about them but just how bad is Florida State right now if I'm DeAndre Francois I don't get why he hasn't transferred that dude takes more. He's probably taking more hits of any quarterback in college football ever. He's taking a beating, and it's not anything new. He took he took a shot. He took shots last year, and he took shots the year before, and just getting he's just getting destroyed. It's hard to watch because you're like, you assume that it's like him trying to make a play, and then he gets smoked outside the pocket. But dude's getting lit up like. Two seconds into the play, he has no time to throw, and he just gets smoked by some D lineman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he is a good quarterback when he has a two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't have that. Yeah, it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with Willie Taggart. Is he going to make? I mean, it's it's hard to say because I know it's just the first year there, but I mean, has there been any worse start for the Seminoles? No, but they probably would have started this way with Jimbo, so it doesn't really matter. And, and that's probably why Jimbo just got out of there real quick. All right, another game which will be pretty easy win for one side, and it'll be 
USF taking on ECU. That game will be in South Florida. The Bulls are twenty two and a half point favorite. I mean, mm. what is there really to say that I mean, we know the Bulls are gonna run away with this one? Do we though? Yeah, we do. Do we? You do. Oh, what, you got something you want to add to this? Are you all of a sudden you're you're buying the ECU hype this year, I feel like. Uh I told you I was gonna buy the hype regardless of what happened this year, and then they it loses North Carolina A and T, which is really just kind of killed my vibe of trying to pick them. But it hey, they'd be North Carolina, man. Honestly, I think USF's going to win, but the I think for the rest of the year that North Carolina win that ECU had is just going to mess with me if any game that they play. I guess we're just going to find out just how bad UNC is in the next couple of weeks, too, because the last podcast we talked about a, a scenario of them going undefeated. I don't know. Were we drinking on that last episode? <laughs> I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. All right, then Texas Southern is traveling. I mean, I guess it's not that far, but they're traveling to Houston for an 8 p.m. game on ESPN3. No line for that. Houston should easily walk away with this one. Is there really anything you want to say about it? Can we fire a D coordinator on a podcast? You already did. Well, it just hasn't happened yet, but... I guess we'll just find out just how... If Texas Southern can put up 700 yards. God, just shut down the program. Well, Texas Southern, I just might as, they might as well just hand over their defense coordinator. <laughs> Take him over what we have right now. And then the last game in the American this week, it's South Alabama. Take it on Memphis. That game you can find on ESPN3. Another large spread here. Memphis, 30.5 point favorites. That seems... Okay, I can understand when you're getting in those 30 numbers when you're talking about against FCF schools, but we're talking about, and we're still talking about a, a group of five school here. Yeah, but you wanted to put Georgia State to the FCS level, so you might as well put South Alabama in that same category. Touche. I was hoping you were going to say that, to be honest. you. I'm cool with that. Memphis is going to score whenever they want. Yeah, South Alabama has been pretty disappointing to start this year, to say the least. Yep, so I'm not worried. Unless it rains but, again. But again, 30. I guess that's just one of those things. Whenever I see those 30 numbers in lines, I'm like, come on now. Got to play some defense, right? What I don't understand is how, why does like, why does that game have a line, but Houston, Texas Southern doesn't have a line? Because South Alabama is a, Group of five school. Or like even, even like when Temple played Villanova, like there was no line for that game. No, uh, I mean, you could find, there are certain sites you gotta check. You can find well, them. Well, I, I, yeah, I, that's true. You can always find them. It's more of, so with the sites that we're using, don't have them on there. And I'm not betting on Temple. You lost your mind? <laughs> You can bet on ECU. How about that? I would never do that either. I bet against them, and they've always done 
me well. <laughs> Always lived up to their end of the book. Yeah. Take, go against ECU. Yeah. You're not wrong. And I guess on that note, I did what I usually do on the show. I guess I can just end it on that note with me bashing ECU real quick. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Honor Dog Podcast. Make sure you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other good stuff. I was looking through our reviews, actually, on the way home from work tonight. Um, only a few reviews. I would like to see if, see those numbers rise up in the next couple of weeks. So if you could, please let us know if we're good, bad, terrible. We don't care. Just leave us something. Let us know if somebody's listening to the show. And if you're not, make sure you listen to the other podcast as well. Those guys, Joe, of the third member of our Joe Talk episode one time, he's doing a great job with the Conference USA one, and I think, I think now he's doing it with Eric, right? Yeah. That one just keeps seems to be rotating, which is kind of a shame. We're the most consistent duo. That we are. But it's again, a of, it's thank, a way of life, man. Joe Talk's a way of life. It's just Joes are better than everyone. You ever watch Dodgeball? Calling us average Joes was no way to do it. We are far from average. Exactly. We're either above average or way below average. Never average. Probably more below. But hey, we still have fun anyways. Joe, good talking to you. Everybody, thanks again for listening to the Underdog Podcast. And we'll see you guys next week. 